Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gautier. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Flow Line. Matt, how are you doing today? Oh, I can't complain. How about yourself? I'm doing excellent. It's, you know, getting close to the holidays. We're somewhat past the election. 2021's around the corner. And I just, I feel like I have some optimism outlook here. So I think next year's going to be good and looking forward to just hopefully taking some good needed time throughout the holidays to, to regroup, recharge, and hopefully come out of 2020 with a bang. What do you think? I think we could all use moving on from 2020. So the idea that we're near the end of it, I think most people are feeling a sense of relief, hopefully with more optimism than the notion that 2021 shouldn't be able to be worse. Hopefully that's not our, our standard, but yeah. hopefully we round up the year well and, and can look forward to a bunch of things by the end of it. And 2021 will be much, much better. Yeah, no, it's funny, actually. I mean, you see often like on social media or LinkedIn is like, you know, you can't get any worse. And I don't know if this was, is this true or not, but I had laughed so hard when I seen, I was scrolling the old Twitter this morning and I noticed someone posted a picture of, you know, the big tree that New York, like downtown Manhattan always has, and they light it up. Well, it looked like a tree from, you know, the Grinch who stole Christmas. And I don't know if it was real, but you could tell they were like, you know, the workers were lifting it up. And, and when I tell you, this was like the, the poorest, saddest looking tree I've ever seen. It's like, even at the end of the year, you can't even get a Christmas tree right in 2020. So if that's true, like how ironic and just, you just laugh. It's just like, I don't know. It just, can it get any worse? I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, back to drilling fluids, Matt, a little topic that came up and, and something I know you've talked about something that even some of the operators that I deal with have introduced for data acquisition is something we call tracers. So I thought, you know, something we could chat about, give a little bit more context around it and provide the listeners with some information on, you know, what they are, why we use them and some, you know, things to consider from a drilling foods perspective. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's just one of those, you may never come across it. Most of the time what happens is if you do come across it, it's, you know, so seldom that you kind of have to brush off the cobwebs and it just seemed like let's make an episode available to folks so they can be aware that these things are out there maybe someday they'll be on your rig and it's going to require a little bit of attention even if you're not actually the one doing the testing so yeah no that's exactly right well matt again you know first and foremost how would you describe tracers what are they and why do we use them so tracers are you know, generally there are things that you would add to a fluid that aren't naturally occurring in the formation or anything around it. So the idea is I mix this in whatever fluid and probably, you know, these go back 70 or 80 years. Of course, you know, back in the glory days, they were using radioactive materials, but we've gotten a little more careful now. But the idea is, okay, I'm, I'm going to mix this stuff in. We know we're drilling overbalance, for example, and I can actually detect the invasion of this material because it's different, it's unnatural. So I have a cut fixed concentration of my drilling fluid, and then I have a certain concentration I can detect in the formation or perhaps in a, in a formation sample. And I can say, okay, some of this material isn't what was actually in the rock, some of this I introduced. And so, you know, in the unconventional game, originally a lot of this was driven by fracking. 
it was, I don't actually know where these fractures are going. And so they would add sometimes radioactive isotopes, sometimes other things to actually try and detect how far the fractures were going, what direction, because the mechanisms weren't well understood. However, this is something that every once in a while you'd actually do with the drilling fluid to see, you know, filtrate invasion and interaction with a formation sample. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's interesting. You mentioned frac side. When I was in Denver, I had a buddy who worked in directional and then switched jobs, ended up getting hired on with a frac company. And he was actually responsible for selling tracers and I had never heard of it. And so it's an interesting concept. And I would imagine the technology around it is definitely advanced and because, yeah, knowing where your fluid's going and, and how far is important. I mean, especially for operators and data acquisition stuff. And we recently had a situation on one of the rigs that we service where we had to source a tracer, provide it to the operator. We had to mix it at a very low concentration, which, again, these are definitely some, it's not something that you're mixing at like a high percentage. It's just a small amount, which is actually fascinating that the tiniest amount can be added and, and still be you know relevant and, and enough to actually measure. So, but yeah, so again, how, how would, you know, talking a little bit about the application, what's sort of things to consider and how are these tracers actually applied and measured, if you will? Yeah. I mean, so I think one thing to keep in mind as, as a mud engineer, I mean, there's a few different examples of materials that might be used. A lot of times it's going to be in coring, which I think is important to keep in the back of your mind because, you know, when we think about drilling, typically well, we're losing some mud over the shakers. We're making new volume as we drill. You know, we've got, you know, we've got the valve open. We're pouring in a certain amount of volume at a time. But the trick with the tracer is you need to know the exact amount of tracer you actually have throughout your fluid system. And so if you're adding volume and diluting the overall relative concentration, you could throw everything off, right? Now, in coring, where you have very, very small fluid volumes, this isn't nearly as big of a deal, right? But if as, and normally you're not drilling an entire interval like this, but you have to keep in mind there's this important balance to remember because you have, you basically add this material, you know, mix it through, catch a sample, and that's your baseline. And then you shouldn't be adding any more. And as you drill, you'll say, okay, well, I have 10% of it that I detected in this core sample. That means that, that I can back calculate, you know, how much material went one way or the other. And so, I mean, these actual tracer compounds can be very, very basic. Sometimes they're water soluble. Sometimes they're oil soluble. Sometimes you'll do both. So let's say I want to know how much oil is in the formation and I'm using an oil-based mud. An oil soluble tracer may actually help tell that the oil-based mud filtrate went in so far. Right. But, you know, they can be anything from, you know, you're actually an emulsifier, like a fatty acid derivative can be, can be one. Probably the most common I've run into as far as, lower cost would be nitrates like potassium nitrate. The really frustrating thing is when a customer asks for something like that, it's very, very hard to use elsewhere and potassium nitrates also using explosives. So it's inventory <laughs> you don't want to have, but you can do a basic titration and it's nitrates are cheap. They're kind of degradable and, and it's a little tricky to analyze, but they give you something. So they're kind of attractive from the perspective of ease of use, low cost, things like, a bromide ion or an iodide ion, they're not naturally occurring in a lot of the wells we drill. And then probably one of the ones that you hear about is like tritium, which is, you know, an isotope that's not very common. So that's H3O. So it's not very common and, be, and you can detect it at very low concentrations because it's so rare at any concentration in natural background material. But listing all those, I think the important tieback is then you have to detect this stuff, right? 
And so sometimes, for example, trying to track this at the rig site could require some fancy analytical equipment. And in that case, you, the mud engineer, might not actually be doing much. It may be that there will be the coring company will bring out some fancy equipment and have a bunch of people trying to do all this because they're going to ultimately do some analysis in the lab to interpret those tracers. Right. But other times, you know, at the very least, you're going to be managing volumes and making sure that tracer concentration stays constant. So, you know, there's a, there's a really good reason for using them just by way of you have an idea of where, how far filtrate's invading, perhaps, which is always kind of fascinating to hear, like on a log that it's only going in like six feet or two feet or whatever. But then the other part of it is, is it interacting with this formation material that we may actually extract and try and make a decision on whether we're going to drill more wells in the area or how much oil is here. So those are kind of some of the general background. I think, you know, the, the other thing I would add is, you know, there's a lot of people like, like there's a lot of eyes on these operations. And so if you're a mud engineer, one thing that I think is a good idea is even though in the same way that, you know, if, if a third party comes to take a sample, take a sample at the same time from the same spot. Like, yeah, and good call. Just make sure everybody's on the same page in case there was some mishandling or mislabeling or anything like that, because there's just so much at stake. And the last thing you want to do is be caught in the middle of, you know, a mistake or, or an error. Yeah. No. And, and again, I can't reemphasize enough just when dealing with this type of stuff, planning and communication is, is imperative. This stuff is not cheap by any stretch of the imagination. And so while you're not adding much, you know, the, it's a very sensitive operation. And so as a, as a mud engineer, anyone in the field, ask questions, you know, go with the account manager, company men, you know, onsite representatives, whoever it is, just to get a, you know, a good understanding of, you know, how are we applying it? What concentrations, double check the math, because it could be super small and, and you may be only adding, you know, like 11 gallons or, you know, like it's a small amount. And so, you know, it's not like you're adding, you know, two or 3% by volume. So it's, Again, planning and then also times two, some operators, depending on what kind of data acquisition or what the object, objective is, they may want you to add it while you're drilling through this section, or they may want you to add it, or it may be sufficient just to spot a fluid through a certain interval and go from there. So there's a few different you know ways to apply this. But again, a lot of it comes down to just communicating, planning you know, having everything out there and, and you're ready to deploy it however the operator wants. So yeah, again, I just wanted to, to mention communicating and, and don't assume, you know, just because, you know, especially on location, like the onsite representative might fully depend on the, the money engineers. Oh, well, you guys are handling this. And well, no, I talked to my office. And so, you know, it's just, you know, operationally speaking, that that's something that I really want to emphasize the communication and planning part of it. Let's that's a really good point, actually. And I mean, you just think about the folks that we've talked to when we talk about tracers on the, the people seeking the data. They tend to be petrophysicists, geologists. Many of them have don't know much about a rig site operation. They don't understand even some of the chemistry that goes into a drilling fluid. And you are trying to translate that to operational drilling folks, right? So these typically the people who are engaged in this are going to be the ones that say, add 11 gallons to a 2000 barrel circulating system, you know, or add 11 gallons in one quart. And you kind of look at them funny, like, you know, so it's sort of like asking somebody to add two and a third sacks of a product. Yes. They, they, they're just like, really? And just understanding that you're communicating with people with totally different sets of expectations and understanding 
and that you have an opportunity not only to help make that operation go well, but maybe helps avoid risk of things getting lost in translation. Because you know the people on the rigs are gonna, they're gonna be completely, you know, bewildered by the notion that I need to add a teaspoon of this or, <laughs> yeah. you know. So I, I think that even the type of communication and maybe asking a few dumb questions, understanding that like everybody's got their own assumptions, but nobody has the same backgrounds. That's a really good point. Yeah. No. And again, it's just through the experience that we had. Jordan and I were looking at the calculations, and we said, "Surely this this can't be right." And there was this massive spreadsheet, and so we were talking to folks from the suppliers, and you know, it, again, it was very simple and easy, but it, it required you know really double checking the numbers to make sure that we were achieving exactly what, like you said, the reservoir team and petrophysicists and everyone wanted. So again, just something a little bit out of the normal scope of work and because you are dealing with unique concentrations of things. And, but yeah, you definitely added some good points to that as well. So, but that man, I don't really have any other questions. Again, it's not something that's very common, but some to have in the, in the library of podcasts in case someone does come across it, at least, you know, hopefully generate some conversation around the idea to where then these things can be followed through at the rig level or with your account manager or supervisor. So just things to be aware of. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's, there's not much more to add. It's, it's just one of those, if you come across this and you know, you look through old mud manuals and that sort of thing, you're, you're not going to find a, a section on this. What's going to happen is it's going to come up and everybody's going to be a little nervous about exactly what they're supposed to do. Even my experience is limited, but I've been asked enough about it and had to read enough papers that I've got a little bit of knowledge that I thought we really ought to share. Yeah. And then one other thing too, just off the top of my head, because it has low concentrations, it probably won't mess with your drilling fluid properties, but do some pilot testing or, you know, if the operator is concerned or if you as a drilling fluid provider is concerned, maybe do a little bit of lab testing on it, but you can't be too cautious, but obviously you don't need to, you know, go overkill. But again, just, just other questions to ask the people that are involved to make sure that your, you know, your T's are crossed, your I's are dotted and other than that, pretty straightforward, Matt. So uh, what do you say we wrap this thing up? Yeah. Thanks for your time, everybody. Thanks for listening. Awesome. Have a good one, everyone. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flow Line. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.